Our next film is called From Beyond, and it caught me by surprise because I'm the guy who was bored silly by the monsters in Aliens. But I laughed and sort of marveled at the creatures in From Beyond, which probably cost about a tenth as much to make. The story is that old reliable, a mad doctor who wants to push the boundaries of knowledge. In this case, discover a telepathic sixth sense. To do it, he develops a machine that works on the pineal gland. His experiment allows you to see normally invisible objects as well as experience all manner of sensual pleasure. But naturally, as his young assistant finds out, the doctor's machine is too powerful. <laughs> Aren't they always? Turn it off. Edward, shut it off. Never. Can't you feel it? Robert, in the mind. The mind. It's out of control. You've got to turn it off. No. No. No, I want to see more. More than any man has ever seen. Edward! It's running itself! Later, another scientist, a pretty young woman, also becomes interested in the mad doctor's machine, and against the assistant's best advice, she rushes to plug it in again. Do you realize now what I was creating? The key to a new realm of sensation. Edward, my God, what have you become? Ah, yes, the price you have to pay for knowledge. From Beyond has a lot of what many people might find to be gross scenes in it. I find it to be sort of <laughs> gross, too. I mean, sucking out of eyeballs, again, being swallowed by monsters, and then wiggly little worms, that's those, the enlarged pineal glands, popping through people's skulls. The fact skulls. that he, like, like the way they actually sort of understands the movie is so nice for a kinky sex. And yet <laughs> I found <laughs> the movie... What, what can be unnecessary yeah, about some, kinky some sex in a movie that you've already described with slimy monsters eating people and little worms well, sticking it's just out a, of your... it's just taking it into a new territory. Oh, we don't territory. want it to go too far, right? Not too far. Okay. Not too far. Actually, this movie is great fun. You can already tell He's laughing at it. I found the movie to be so cleanly told by director Stuart Gordon and so forcefully acted in that last scene by Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs, as well as also earlier Ted Sorrell as Dr. Pretorius, the guy who wants to know more than any man in the world, that I enjoyed this little horror film more than Aliens. It didn't gross me out. More it didn't bore me. It tickled me. Aliens. I think this is a really wow. good little picture. I, well, it has some uh, qualities to it. I like Stuart Gordon's last movie, The Reanimator, yeah. a lot better than this one, and I'm not giving this one a thumbs up, although it's marginal. And it does, you're right, have a lot of you in it and a lot of spirit and some really gory monsters. So what's I, bad? What's bad? It didn't have the insane tension of the reanimator, which led you from beginning to end with that Look, kind that of challenge. obsession. That, what's bad? That this movie it's doesn't have, and you're right, it digresses. Uh, the scene where she puts on the leather, for example. Exactly. Now, why is that scene in there? I'll tell you why, because Stuart Gordon probably said, when was the last time you saw a woman dressed in leather who was swallowed by a slime worm from outer space? Perfect. Not often, so that's right. probably why, but I think it's a close call. It's certainly not better than Aliens. Uh, well, uh, and that, I think Aliens just was unrelenting. I think this film has a sense of humor about itself mm -hmm. that is great fun, and I think it is forcefully told. Okay. Because I sat there, and I didn't find too many scenes, except with that one scene, which you now agree with is unnecessary, Kiki said, because that one scene was the only glitch in the whole film. And when a movie can drive me straight through like that, even if it's about silly subjects like those slimy creatures, I like it. I will go this far with you. I will suggest that Stuart Gordon has a future as a really good director in this genre. Maybe he can make other kinds of pictures, too. We don't yeah. know yet. <laughs> and <laughs> that this picture shows a lot of promise, not as good as this first one. Is that... doesn't... 
doesn't make you happy. Okay. Welcome to Fourth Time's the Charm, where niche is neat. I am your Roger Ebert, Ben Tucker, alongside my Gene Siskel. It's Matt, and accompanied with us here today is the comfy chairs that we sit on, the CM Punk of Fourth Time's the Charm. It is Monty. What's going on, guys? I am doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm just chilling. I'm, I'm enjoying ready to talk about some more. Are you chilling, Matt? Are you chill? Are you feeling nice and chill today? You can fuck off. My air conditioning doesn't work. And I'm very warm. Uh, but <laughs> and also, also my the the place I work doesn't have air conditioning either. Uh, and it's a massive old stone building. So each day, the entire building gets warmer and warmer and warmer. Um, Is it because it's weak AC in your school or what? There's literally no air. There is no what? air conditioning in the building. Yeah, that's terrible. It's a hot, right. yeah. It's great. I gladly so, swap places with you, Matt. I'm freezing here. So. Yeah, fuck off, Monty. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm well, toasty, what is but, going but... on, you you sexy mother Knucker, Monty? I, I will say that real quick, though. I think the overheating and, and mild insanity puts me in the perfect state of mind to talk about today's episode. Yeah, uh, for me, what's happening? Actually, I got to watch a whole bunch of movies. Uh, oh, on my long weekend, that's probably why I was in here last week. Well, that's right. Um, got to catch up on some uh, this classic by Joe Dante. You guys know him uh, yep. for Gremlins and all that. Yeah. So this is kind of re- revisiting one of my childhood movies that stars Tom Hanks. And Carrie Fisher, and it's called The Burbs. Have you guys seen it? Ah, oh, The Burbs. Oh my goodness, The Clopex, of yes. course. Yes. No, I, oh, this, is, this is a gap for me. This is one we, I we, seen. we we lived next to The Clopex for the longest time. Are you Monty? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, like the equivalent. They broke into our house and stole all my video games. What? Oh, are yeah. you serious? Holy yeah, shit. when I yeah when I was a kid, they they came, they broke into our house, they fed our cat, and Wait, then they what? stole all of my video games. Are you serious? Why, you're not, why did you're they joking, feed your cat? I I well well the other cats <laughs> ran out, uh, it, but the one cat was apparently Curtis. He was just really nice to them, and he like rubbed up to them and purred them and and, and led them over to the cat food. <laughs> Well, and so ben, they just we they just poured him some soft cat food. We kind of have something in common here because I also lived a, near a Klopek in my last house. And oh. it's like this house is like no one goes in, no one comes out. The blinds are always shut. At sounds night, like my there's house. never a light I was going to say, that's my dream house. That sounds, that sounds just like Taryn and I's house. We have the blinds always completely shut. <laughs> We only we either either the only thing that ever happens is like the garage opens and closes when I leave or come back or I take the dogs for the walk, which I do exclusively with headphones on while like apparently glaring at everybody. I'm not actually glaring. That's just my resting face, which apparently is angry and scary looking to people. You and my wife both. I I, I, I have had multiple I've had multiple write ups on the local next door about me. Um <laughs> because no seriously because uh at night um when i walk gideon especially in the summer he gets warm and he wants to like lay down and i think at least you leave the house like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. In all black at night, and then I stand outside of your house for 10 minutes while my dog lays in the darkness, which you can't see. <laughs> like, that's... And then and then we have parties over where, like, there's just a bunch of grungy people here. And then yeah, and then but, also our friends, Mission and Krista, who don't But these guys, like, they don't leave... Like, I have to go... Before I, before I worked at the... Where I currently work, I work at downtown Toronto... And so when I get home, it's like usually really late. And, and the mailbox in our neighborhood is mm-hmm. right next to this house. Like I get the freaking chills every time I walk by that house at night. Cause it's like, it's worse at night. It's completely black and no cars. So nice. nothing like nobody. I've never seen it. The only time I've seen them is when they finally moved and another family came in, which is really weird. I mean, I'm going to be real, Monty. That's kind of how I like my life. <laughs> I like, we, we don't, en- we like, we've met all of our neighbors and like easily could engage with them regularly. And we don't. Yeah. No, it's the same with That's us. what we call the Los Angeles strategy. So yeah, think... we know all of them. We just don't go outside of our house enough. Think we, do- Matt... we leave our house. We just don't leave our house to our local community. Matt, we got an assignment for you. You know what that is. It's watching the watch burbs. the burbs. Yeah, I will. Watch I'll watch it. the burbs and then I'll go in and then scare my neighbors by yelling at them about it. <laughs> I, I will warn you, Matt. I don't know that you're going to like it. It is not your type of movie. I'll probably hate it and then be really nice about it on air. It's a... It's we're a not, com- we're not here to lie, Matt. We're here to tell oh, the truth. I only there's tell the going truth to on be, this podcast. There are going to be ample truths told oh. on this on, on, on this episode of Fourth I, Times the Charm. Can I, can I make the, one announcement first? Of course. So yes. so so uh, as we've ruminated about our weeks here, I just, there's one really, really great piece of news that I wanted to bring to our listeners out there. And if, and if, you're, if you're from the Chicagoland area, take heed to this message. Uh, the 21st of October, let me tell you, the 21st of October, uh, the Music Box of Horrors 2023 has been announced. Uh, it is the best horror film festival in the country. Um, I say that with confidence because it's the only one I go to. Um, and they, we already have three announced movies, uh, Piranha 2, The Spawning, which I have seen, the 1995 Casper movie, which I'm pretty sure is going to come on at 10 a, at 10 a.m. after a 24-hour festival, and a movie I've never heard of called Ozone. Uh, Ooh, so if you're Ozone. in the, if you're in the Chicago... If you're in the Chicagoland area or nearby and you want to attend the best music uh, uh, horror festival in the world and potentially meet one of the greatest hosts in podcasting history, me, um, you can at the Music Box of Horrors 2023. I already got my ticket. I'll be in the front row. It's the best time in cinema. And maybe in a few years, you'll also meet Ben there. Um, but shout out to the Music Box and, and to the Music Box of Horror um they're they're part of the part of the the place that fans the flames of this podcast i will say it is better than any of the film festivals i've been able to find in la and if it's better than la it's quite probably the the best music uh, the best movie marathon in the country it's very much like the movie we're going to talk about tonight it's uh it's it's full of genuine passion like there's no like like oh we got to make this popular right like they just want to show awesome movies 
to awesome people who like this shit. And they go about accomplishing that by just committing so forcefully to what they're, you know, what they're doing and like what like the message of the show is um, that there's no way to not have an amazing time. Uh, well, so I shout you out. What, I'm going to see, I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm going to see if I can shop for a ticket. Maybe I'll fly down for the weekend and crash at your place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you are welcome, fun. Monty. <laughs> that, that is something I will do for you. All right. Well, we're going to put a pin in that because there's a lot to go over on today's <laughs> yes, episode. Yes, there is. There is. Oh, a okay. big episode. But I don't know if there's anything more important than the wonderful gift I received oh. for my birthday from Matt. Yes. Matt went over to Cameo and he said, <laughs> who is a celebrity that I could get to wish my good old co-host Ben a wonderful birthday uh-huh and by golly did he find someone he found ECW's own the blue meanie yeah christened Ooh. by Raven yes. to join his flock uh and what we're going to do oh, because everybody loves this yeah everyone's we are excited going about this to listen to this cameo oh. together as a family as a as a family are are you guys ready oh, i'm ready i i we, mean hey i i i was i i got the debut viewing of this did you All post right. it in the no i i sent I, it to I, you, Monty. I i i only i sent I, it directly, I sent you directly. I, I was just just to clear i didn't yeah i didn't post this anywhere i just oh, sent okay, it to I ben see it. i see it okay i got All it right. Here we go, guys. Let's play it in three, two, one, play. Hey, this is former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. Oh, hey, Meanie. <laughs> hey, got a very special birthday wish. What? For Ben Tucker. That's me. From your buddy, Matt. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I understand that Matt is notoriously late with your birthday, pal. He and, he uh, he normally he is it. To say. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I, I wouldn't have thought so unless you <laughs> said something, Mimi. I have a did. lifelong friend too. Uh, <laughs> I have a friend, Jolene. Her birthday is May 11th. I'm May 18th. I'm so focused on my birthday. I kind of <laughs> forgot hers for like 20 years. So I'll give you some slack, Matt. Uh, but seriously, Ben. Uh, Matt says you're right, awesome. I, 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 mean, I do Matt want to point out. Super cool. I never asked. Awesome. I did not ask him to apologize. Massive wrestling fan. ECW, yeah, WCW, he, uh, WWF. But the Blue Meanie felt like uh, it was Big necessary. fan of the practical jokes. Or as yeah. Saying, oh, it's like ribbing. So uh, of course, the king of ribs, Owen Hart. Uh, this is I'm, my favorite Never really part. got ribbed by him, but... Uh, <laughs> Kind of, sort of, like a fewer autograph signing with Owen Hart. Oh God, Hart's ribs! And you had to pay for him for him to sign his name. He would write like something funny underneath your name, like "Call the police." (laughs) Or uh, I'm very, very lonely, and I find you oddly attractive. I think this is because I used the term uh, "rib" in the message I sent to him. He probably was like, uh, "Oh, he's trying to use insider lingo." It's uh, your 28th birthday. Do you think I am that jealous. the blue meanie likes the color blue, 50. or is he sick of it because so, he's had uh, to do it? Kind of no, he's probably sick of it. Uh, I missed 28. 28 was a good year. 
But, he, uh, he likes the color blue as much as modern educators do with how much kids like Sonic. Tucker. So uh, happy birthday uh, from <laughs> yeah, God bless me and Matt, by the way. your best friend, Matt. Yes. Hopefully we get to see each other down the line in person. I'm sure the blue uh, man is and, excited uh, to see me down the line. Get to have some more wrestling yeah, memories. I'm sure he but will. For now, <laughs> Ben Tucker, you should swap happy places with him, you. honestly. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Ben Tucker. <laughs> well, how could he ever forget? Happy he knows birthday. Ben's full name. To you, ECW, ECW. Happy birthday! I am a. I my only disappointment is he did not do the meanie shuffle. I okay. Yeah. So man, he did. I, he did sing. Is, he did sing to you. He did sing to me. He did. <laughs> His and then beautiful he did it. pipes directly into an ecw chant which i mean like how do you how do you just deny that? I, i'm shocked that the meanie didn't go for a full-blown mlw chant oh a boy can dream <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been the rib is to be like you know meanie he's been watching wrestling for a long time but he loves nothing more than your run in mlw <laughs> honestly he probably would have been moved by that comment Looking at looking at how the video came out. <laughs> so so Matt, how how did you come to this to to this wonderful decision? <laughs> well, so I was like I I knew like a while out the thing I wanted to get you for your birthday was uh, was a cameo, um, and I I had toiled over who to pick, and I was there's like a lot of interesting wrestlers that uh, do cameo, but in my to me, none of them were really. None of them really stood out. Like there was Justin right. Roberts, um, was an option. Um, See, and Justin then, Roberts would be weird because like we actually know Justin Roberts. Yeah, exactly. And like I like I couldn't. I the ideal would have been like if Stu, from right, <laughs> like did it, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Doing you doing a like uh a modern AEW star, let's say was like an option I entertained, but also again, felt kind of lame, felt kind of sure. Dean feel very fourth times the charm. You right. Know? You gotta and go I, deep. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, well, Ben is like, what's I, the, my first thought, my genuine thought when I saw the blue meanie was man, I'm sure Ben showed me some blue meanie footage at some point in our life. While we were in like a dorm room or up way too late, like watching something or doing something else. And I'm sure I gave it my like my best shot, but I don't remember it. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, but then I like thought about it. And I'm like, I know who the blue meanie is like, you know, in a large respect. Yeah. And, and so I, I was like, okay, I got to find the person who best represents Ben as like an indie wrestler who has a cameo account. <laughs> and I, and thinking back to our years of wrestling fandom, it was him. It yeah. just, it just felt right. It felt like the type of guy that would be happy to have a cameo made, you know, right? like it felt like it mattered. You, you, you have to give the blue meanie credit. And he I, had yeah. like a three, four, five year run in ECW where he was basically the punchline of a joke. Right. And, and he parlayed that into a 
30 year career. And and knowing that to some degree and having, you know, you know, looked into him a little bit more pre pre cameo order. Um, I was like, oh man, I bet this guy is going to really like, you know, ham it up in character to some extent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, cause like I watched, I watched like, for example, I watched Justin Roberts. Uh, I watched a couple of his cameos and like, you know, he does like the announcer voice, you know what I mean? Right. Like he does the gimmick and I was like, yeah, okay. Again, cool. But still like uncomfortable. Cause I'm pretty sure Ben's like shook this man's hand you know like, yeah we it, uh we we talked to him at the at a double or nothing yeah exactly right yeah. so like and so like too too awkward but i thought wouldn't it just be perfect if this guy like really kind of went for it and, right and because of my belief that that would happen i'm gonna be real I also didn't watch any of the any of the cameos <laughs> that he had done, and and but my faith in in, in Mr. Meany here led me to choose. And I don't know out there who's used cameo before, but on cameo you can choose to tell the person to say what you want. You can give them basically a script, right? And, which is like you should say this. And that also felt like not the right maneuver, right? Like I'm like, I could, I could get any, again, like I could do like a Justin Roberts and just like write like a little speech about like, oh, Ben, it's your birthday. You're awesome. And you're my friend. And I hope you have a great birthday and I'm excited to spend the rest, the rest of your birthdays knowing you, you know, right. Could have right. thrown a one of them, but again, not the right maneuver. So I, I went with the, like, I'll write something for you option. Yeah. You know, like, let them come up with it. Which felt like, again, it felt cooler. It felt more authentic. It's more personal. Yeah, from from their words. Yeah, Yeah. from their words. And so I I told Mr. Meany that literally everything he just said in the video, (laughs) almost verbatim with, like, and I'm going to be honest, it looks like he's reading the description I sent him while he's <laughs> recording it. Me's got checks to cash. All no, right? like I think so. I mean, the dude, you know, he turned around. He turned around the the cameo in like good enough time. You know, I was hoping to get it to you on your birthday, but I'll take what I got. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, he yeah, and then he blamed you. <laughs> well, okay. I said, I, I, I did, I did say outright, like in the description, like we have all notoriously forgotten your birthday because to me, I mean, what a great setup for a bit. Right. Right. And, 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 and instead then, he was just like, yeah, sorry, pal. He forgot again. I was like, he didn't forget. Yeah. I ordered <laughs> this. And like, and so that's, that's, that's really the story of what, what went down. Uh, I tried, uh, and I think I I succeeded. I'll take, I'll take this one as a victory. Yes. This uh, is the, this is the perfect pro wrestling encapsulation. Right. And this is like, this is the anarchy pro wrestling cameos. Yes. It's most certainly, I guarantee you the blue meanie worked anarchy pro wrestling. Oh yeah. I mean, how could he not? Honestly. I I have so much respect for the blue meanie. Dude has spent the past 25 years coming out in a blue shirt 
in short shorts doing a dance, getting hit, and falling out of the ring. Yeah, And beautiful. he's been able to make a full living doing that since ECW closed its doors over 20 years ago. Yeah. I also, I, I also, I'll, I'll make one more omission because I, I believe in being honest, especially here on Fourth Times the Charm. I don't, th- I don't think the Blue Meanie is going to get a Christmas card from Matt. No, you know that's also probably certainly not true. Um, but I will, I will say, I when I looked at him, I went, that dude had to have been in WCW, and and like didn't even really think about it and then i was like i ordered it and then i was like and in his description it says ecw i'm like yeah that must be what he's most known for because i was like ben probably watched this guy when he was three and i, thought, I did okay when we got ecw tapes when they were able to run but blue Meanie's one of the few guys who never made it to wcw it just seemed like how do you how does vince russo not book an angle around being blue it's it's because he did but he did it in wwf ah that also makes sense yeah he he tagged with gold dust at wrestlemania 15 right and they were blue dust (laughs) i love every second of that so thank you blue meanie yes thank you i mean genuinely i'm very happy with how it turned out i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna like leave a bad cameo review of the blue that's how you know someone's happy with something when they go i'm not gonna leave a bad review well because i don't i don't think he deserves one he's a good man (laughs) well i I love it i wish him all the best in his future endeavors i i matt it is the perfect cameo so thank you (laughs) so much happy birthday i will cherish this forever but something i'm also going to cherish is the movie that we watched this week. Matt, how about you tell us, as we continue the Stuart Gordon saga, about From Beyond? Well, well, we we all heard the beautiful words of uh, Siskel and Eber earlier. Uh, Yeah, way way, way to blow our momentum by giving a review three-minute review that'll be more concise and detailed than anything we could put together you know i didn't really i didn't really think about that <laughs> i just thought it was a good video uh well, I, what i will say though is that from from beyond is the direct follow-up to um uh the reanimator so 1995 we get one of the best features ever released by empire pictures a uh, a movie so unique and special that it, it kind of gave an extra little buzz to a uh, a studio of contemption, um, and and we got to introduce we got to meet Stuart Gordon on film, a very forceful and intense filmmaker, a man who makes movies like he directed plays. It's an actor's first uh, production. The visuals are important, but they're big, they're bombastic, but it's about the performances. It's about actors like Jeremy Combs, like Barbara Crampton, providing a, I think as Cisco put it, a forceful performance, a, a performance that punches you in the face uh, with its intensity. And I think on Reanimator, I think he did a great job, but I don't think his feet were as wet as they were in the bloody remnants of a decapitated pineal gland as they were with From Beyond. From Beyond is a 
uh, a movie that's based on a seven page short story and recontextualizes the main character of that short story just so that uh, Jeffrey Combs didn't have to play Herbert West again. Um, it's an insane movie. I think outside of the movie Color Out of Space, it is probably the most objectively Lovecraftian uh, film out there of the direct adaptations. Um, I agree with that. And it is, to me, to me, this, Ben, I and mean, you might appreciate this, and if you're a longtime listener of the podcast... Um, you know, one of my favorite Lovecraftian movies of all time and one of Ben's least favorite is the movie Prince of Darkness. Um, to me, Ben, and and you'll probably very firmly disagree with this, this movie and Prince of Darkness are like two sides of the exact same coin. I find them very, very, very like they align in my heart in the same way. So watching this a second time. I was actually thinking this reminds me a lot of Prince of Darkness. Oh my God! Yes, and how 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 so? Because it's it's the vibes. Yeah, it's the vibes. Because it's Reanimator is like bullshit fuckery science, whereas this feels more akin to like Star Trek science, where it's still bullshit, but it feels more rooted in reality. It's something that people understand less. And so because of that, they're given more leeway to do something that you feel could be real. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's a movie you could make now. No, no. Well, I mean, well, Well, we're we're going to talk about a very specific vibe. It needs to be made like the babysitter is. Well, we, we can we can talk about exactly what happens when you make this movie now. Well, we will. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I watched this and Monty, I'm really curious for your thoughts, but, yeah. uh, this is the second time I've seen it. Cause Matt's shown me this before. The first time I saw it, I loved it. The second time I watched it, I thought this is great, but it's not as good as reanimator. Wow. Yeah. Really? I, I so I come, I come down. You, I, I, I agree with Ben. Like this is the first time I watched it. Like really? Um, I felt like, like, I'm not saying it's bad, Matt. I, I, I enjoyed it. Oh, sure. It's just like, I just felt like, you know, the, the, the character that, uh, what's the actress? Barbara Crampton. Barbara Crampton. She played like, um, a very, I, 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 like, I think I told you, she, I think she is Herbert West in this Well, movie. she's the main character of this movie. it up. Right, like. I, well, she. I don't. I don't necessarily say she's the Herbert West of this movie. The Herbert West of this movie is um, what's his what's his face? Uh, Ken Foray's. Uh, no, not Ken Foray. Doctor Ted Sorrels. Yeah, Doctor Pretorius. Doctor Pretorius yeah. is truly the you know. Uh, what's the best way to put it? Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely the Herbert West of the movie. Definitely, he's, he's the villainous insane doctor who has no limits and up in that and that's true up until um you know uh stewart gordon's character and uh, not stewart gordon um Barbara Jeff, jeffrey combs oh, character jeffrey combs. becomes uh where crawford tillingas becomes the evolved version of humanity and and catherine dr catherine mitchell barbara crampton's character um yeah. is closer to the mad scientist she's kind of she's kind of like um his team uh herbert west's teammate from the original movie 
Yeah, yeah, I, I but, think that. But she is the main character. I think she is. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, Barbara Crampton is the main character of this movie, and she is notorious, or it's not notorious, but uh, well known for talking about how this is the movie that she's proud of being in um compared to reanimator like this is the movie that she wants people to go and watch to see her performance like and, and she and she loves what she did in the movie like in the, the character she played and the on to like against the the point of other reviewers like the random kink scene i think to to uh to barbara crampton and to the other actors in the movie actually had like a very distinct point and it wasn't just like vapid it was like an actual you, like aspect of the lovecraftian like it, story being told in any future derivative works you would hope would uphold that same standard you know you might think they would and this you one very could, well might think they would this one like compared to like reanimator like i think this one dives more deeply into the sexual uh well yeah well i mean and that's also like that like very much like what the movie's about like i mean like the the stimulation of the pineal gland like that aspect of the story is you know yeah it's very essential it's very you know in your face but the question i have is i still don't understand what are the other those fish like things those the the fish things the other creatures are the creatures that live and are part of the psychic realm of reality that due to the lack of stimulation in our own pineal glands uh we can't you know see or sense because they are beyond our comprehension they're from beyond so they can't like i notice and i remember in the movie they say if you don't see them if you don't move they won't see you yeah and in order for them to interact with you you have to perceive them because they they are psychic beings that only exist within the perception of their viewer yeah like a like a fish but a mind oh fish. yeah you're right you're right i yeah. i heard somewhere i don't know if it's true but yeah fishes can't see beyond the water like above above you above them or anything like that because i believe that yeah but like what is the seven page story i i'm curious i could not find well, it so so the seven page story the original from beyond story is yeah. just is a the story of uh professor tillingast who's uh he's not called professor tillingast in this movie Mm -hmm. but it's professor tillingast who is the beginning of the movie that that opening scene where he's like messing with the machine and turns it on and then goes insane and gets eaten by fish monsters like that's so he dies in the beginning so imagine imagine if you remove um jeffrey combs character from the from the beginning of the movie and the beginning of the movie was just was just just had that one guy by himself um, just yeah just had Pretorius by himself that's the plot of the original book oh okay so this just expanded on but did the, yeah well and they the added story, like, they, they it, recontextualized it by having um gas character be like a semi gray good guy character who um is like not purely evil or purely insane a la herbert west oh, okay and i and i so, think i think honestly to a, a, a degree of why that happens is because Stuart gordon wanted wanted to work with jeffrey combs again and he wanted jeffrey combs to get to play like more of a character than just doing the same thing again my so, favorite uh, character in this movie has to be bubba and i felt bad for him 
Great, <laughs> amazing death. Yeah. Truly, I rewatched. Truly. I rewatched yeah. that part of the movie today, and like that death where he gets eaten by like evil mind mosquitoes. Yeah, that's something special. That was creepy. That reminds me of like ticks. Holy yeah, shoot, exactly. Man. I, so watching this movie, I not, having seen it once, I feel mm-hmm. like is is the real telltale sign because probably you see under it the first some, time you don't really know what's going to happen. Circumstances, but but seeing it through the second time, I felt a general lack of energy compared to Reanimator. Wow, see, and and Reanimator to me is like a little too energetic and oh. frenetic almost Man, um, you're upsetting me with each word more and more because i i like a more low-key movie mm-hmm. akin to this but because they kept it to just a few people throughout the whole movie it really just boiled down to all right we're gonna flip the switch again all right we're gonna flip the switch again all right we're gonna flip the switch again and like that's the movie is just flipping oh. the switch and I... finding an excuse to flip the switch again wow I, okay, I, I, like, I, I this is like the Prince of Darkness review. And so like, like I don't so like I don't mind that. I I still think the movie was good. But it, and like I wanted to keep watching and like see what new thing was going to happen or come out. But I I did find certain scenes in it a little superfluous. Oh, we're like well, it felt like we're just finding an excuse to get to the next point, right? See, to like me, you watch this, it, it's the opposite. Like, like you this watch like a, a movie like tight. Nope. You watch sure. a movie like Nope. Every shot in there is there for a reason. Everything's done purposefully. Here, it's not really the case. You know, it's 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 a it's a rougher movie. The acting's yeah. a lot rougher. Okay. Well, the so. This is really my take when I watched the movie. I saw it more as a play, except yes. done done like a film. film well, because that's style. I mean that's Stuart Gordon to a T. Yeah, he's a he's right? a play. He's a he had twenty he had ten plus years of like experience as a theater director. Yeah, and that that bleeds through all of his work. Like you can pretty fervently feel the the theater in him when he's yeah any of his movies. This I one think you, it's why. He this one you feel performances. You you feel a lot of that out of Stuart Gordon in this one compared to Reanimator. So yeah, that's even, why I say Reanimator as a feature film, yeah, is really well done. But this one, it just felt like instead of a movie, I felt like I'm watching a play, which is really well, you know, filmed well and, and 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 all like all the effects and everything like that. But it just like. To Ben's point, it is if you see it for as a movie, yeah, it does feel like it's a repetitive, uh, repetitive cycle throughout mm. the whole film. But if you view it through a lens as a as a, a stage, stage play. play, then it's actually yeah, it actually puts it in perspective a little bit more. I can see that. I mean, yeah. and I'm I, I mean I'm a huge fan of theater. Yeah, yeah, which could which could be. You know, I could see, I could see being considered a reason, like a feature of the movie that particularly speaks to me, um, which I would agree with because, like, to me, like that's one of my favorite parts of the movie is how, like, over the top and theatrical it feels. Similar to the m- most recent Color Out of Space movie, like it's ridiculous. 
Lee over the it's top. It's bizarre. I wouldn't say ridiculous. It's very bizarre. It's bizarre. Like, and this yeah, movie yeah. feels to me very similar. Like, I yeah. get... Like, it, it, not necessarily in the same vibes, which I think you get much more from um, a movie like uh, like Color Out of Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one r- really has, like, the sense that it knows what it is, and it's having a good time with that. Yeah, yeah. The practical effects are amazing. Um, you know, the gore is perfect. And I have to say, for its time, the special effects, it is what it is, but it was very... Um, Army of Darkness isk. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> um, I know I don't I don't know if you're intending that as a compliment, but no, I, that's I compliment. see it as one. That is a compliment. Yeah, and I I I'm just curious, like further, like going back to the movie. So when that worm came out of his head, was that like meant that's his to be? Gland. Oh, so it's not like Petaurus's, uh possession in him or infection infected him or something. No, it's it's well. I the reason his pineal gland uh, grew and became so uh, powerful Active. is yeah. because of Tillinghast intentionally using his hyper advanced pineal gland to um, hyper stimulate um, uh, Tillinghasts because since he went beyond, you know, yeah, so to speak, into the from beyond it allowed him to then like uh, augment the world with his brain power. So, but that's not okay. Yeah. Cause I, I kind of, I, the way I interpreted it was I thought he, he was being controlled by, uh, well, I, yeah. it's, it's more so that the, um, that the, uh, by unlo- un- unlocking that part of his brain, it, it made him like susceptible to the influence of his own pineal gland, thus leading him to do all the crazy shit he does in the movie. If that makes any kind of sense. Yeah. That's and, the and, only and, part that it, it confused me. Any deeper than that starts to get into real, like, <laughs> like we can, wizard did it. We can get there, but like, I don't, Yeah, we can get there, but I, I don't know. I can get I, into I think the, that's about as deep as they got the, with it the too. Mystic miskasonic science of the, you know, Lovecraftian world created here. But I don't think that's the, <laughs> the vibe we're really kind of, you know, uh, Matt, I think the word you're looking for is miskatonic, like <laughs> miskatonic university. That's what I said. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Hate. Um, You're really, you're really drinking that haterade today, aren't you, Ben? I, I would, but Jamie Hater's actually injured. That's actually Uh, sad. Yeah. But so, yeah. Is there also some symbolic way that that the 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 monsters are portrayed, or they like? Well, no, they're they're just like they're just like they're just like pretty like. I mean, frankly, pretty like straightforward um lovecraftian deformed gelatinous monsters oh okay like yeah, i like I just, the, they the all look like shaped cool, but they're not anything whenever like, their heads unique. are getting eaten and stuff like that which is like what the heck <laughs> they, they are blended in well though the effects in this movie oh, yeah. are really great oh yeah i mean the effect and, and we i mean just like in herbert west in in reanimator the the effects and the stagecraft on display in the movie is one of the absolute best parts of the movie. I think the effects in this movie are kind of better done than Reanimator. 
I agree. It kind like of reminds me of uh, Hellraiser a little bit when yeah. Doctor yeah. Pretorius came out as a giant, gina- ginormous mm-hmm. penis head. I guess I don't know, but no, it's, <laughs> it he's, a, he's, he's an evolved uh, being with a hyper-stimulated pineal gland. Come on, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> like come on how, how, what, what's so complicated about that <laughs> so right. what what i i will say uh-huh. i did find a newfound respect for this film after watching the spiritual successor to it direct sequel technically what miskatonic so so okay yeah so this from 2020 so, yeah you explain it man let okay. me let me explain this so um we talked about this uh, uh, quite a bit i think in the last episode so i don't i don't want to retread too much old territory but um from beyond is made by the charles brand um production company empire studios now empire um in addition to all of the other Stuart, uh um not Stuart gordon the um charles brand products are these like direct is like the definition of like shocky direct to video movies um that's their thing you know that's that's what they do they put out ghoulies they put out all of the puppet master movies they put out all of the subspecies movies they did Mm -hmm. all of this wacky shit now as as time went on charles brand wasn't necessarily great with money um, it has a very tumultuous history, which we will get into uh, when we read It Came From the Video Aisle, the story of, of, of Charles Brand. But in the 90s, he had to open a new studio. And I think it was because um, his other studio went bankrupt. Um, and we're going to, oh, and interestingly enough, which I think we'll have to come back to, um, one of the first features ever released by Full Moon Studio, uh, by Full Moon Features, is an actual direct-to-video Stuart Gordon movie starring Jeffrey Combs, made by Stuart Gordon, called Castle Freak. Now we'll talk about that movie Ooh. another time when we have a chance to watch it. Was it's great? It's totally worth watching. Okay. But Full Moon Features is the probably the greatest modern purveyor of true B movie schlock. Like they're they are still making month to month schlocky McSchlock schlock. Now, I think in an effort to reclaim some of their their glory and their money, um, Charles Brand and, and Full Moon P- Features has decided to double down on their existing properties. Now, the way they did that is with their series Miskatonic U, which oh. is a which is a small it's a technically it's a it's a tv series um, oh this completely changes my thoughts on this movie. so let me explain so so this is a this i've is never a, heard a, of that so, yeah no no one has yeah, trust me yeah, no we one know. has no one monty no one you should not be expected to know about this the only right. reason i know about this is because i'm dedicated um now what happens is so full moon pictures in 2020 decides that they're going to revamp some of their products, some of their properties that are owned by the team, including the From Beyond property. Now, what they did was they made a TV miniseries known as Miskatonic U, which follows the uh, a group of students at Miskatonic University, the pivotal university from H.P. Lovecraft's fiction, the university at which Jeffrey Combs works at, 
uh, well, that that uh, Herbert West works at oh, for a while in, in okay. the Reanimator book, where um, Pretorius um, works at in the movie and in From Beyond. He's a teacher there in the original story as well. And it is a direct sequel following um, uh, Crawford, no, yeah, Crawford Tillingast, the son of Jeffrey Combs's character, Crawford Tillingast, because apparently he had a kid. We don't need to get into that plot hole. But the cool thing is, Ben, and the thing that you have yet to truly experience is the fact that the ending of that movie sets up Herbert West. And there's an actual, there are, is a two-part movie slash like TV show of the continuation of the end of this movie. And so there I'm are, guessing that, Cro- I'm guessing that Crawford had a kid with the woman with While Barbara Crampton, having one of their. That's that's kind of I guess the implication, even though they do I, not mention, I'm guessing um, Barbara Crampton's character at all. Um, but Miskatonic U or the Resonator, I technically I think is the name of the series. The Resonator means. colon Miskatonic U. Well, that's the name of this movie. The TV show that this movie is is technically called The Resonator, which is the name for the TV series. Which is also called Miskatonic U. It's complicated. It's oh, it's fucking full moon features, okay. baby. Um, and I have yet I'm not I haven't watched them yet. I'm saving myself to watch them with you, Ben, because episode season two, episode one and two is the story of Herbert West, um, and episodes three and four is the curse of Reanimator, and it basically retails I for my what I can tell retells all of the stories of the different reanimator sequels um with young modern actors um all of them brought to you um by the director of the 2022 movie my babysitter the superhero um william butler um who has directed 36 features and the majority of them have come in the last like three years um, in addition to a bunch of movies in the early nineties and two thousands, but man, this guy is prolific. He, he did my babysitter, the superhero baby oopsie Two: murder dolls, baby oopsies, three burn, baby burn the 12 sleighs of Christmas. Um, and then he recently just released, uh, or did a, um, pieces for two, uh, compilations, which are a big thing that, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Charles Brand is a fan of. He did, and I think I think Monty watched this, the uh, Beyond Reanimator movie, and yes. that was released in 2022. That is technically, I, I, if I if I'm correct, part of the Miskatonic U world, and is is considered the sequel, but in reality is just the two episodes from the TV show edited together into one movie, which is also. What Ben wa- Ben and I watched, which is an hour and eight minute edit of the two part TV movie episode that was only released on streaming on Full Moon Feature Streaming Service. To the most brilliant minds, Miskatonics ever know. Cheers! Crawford. Hey. What is wrong with you? Mr. Tillinghast. Professor Gordon said there's some components missing from his lab. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you? If 
Unfortunately. What is this thing? A resonator. We did it. So that, now that I'm armed with this information, that Matt, is the story of this film, and you haven't even, even talked about this movie yet. <laughs> now that I'm armed with that information, yeah. Now that you know the full, the full, mwah, the full, I have ugh. to explain where things went awry. Okay. Would you like me to be fully transparent here? Yeah, I mean, well, just just know that the the incredible filmmakers and independent artists from Full Moon uh, Features are listening. I thought this was a college student film project. It's been a, it's a lot better than some of the student film projects we've watched. I don't know what you want me to say to that. <laughs> is is it cuz you're cuz you're making a statement? Okay, okay. And like you're suggesting that I should not give what I really no, no, think. Okay. My question is with with, with your statement cuz I want your true thoughts. Is this better than the last, the house at the end of the street? Not really. Wow. Oh my fucking God. All right. Because let's get into it. The, this story has to be better because it's starting with better material. Yeah, it's, it's starting from a strong foundation. Which but is in the terms front- of editing, sound design, <laughs> acting, everything, this is a dumpster fire of a film. Wow. I felt like I was watching one of my short films I did while I was in school. I was like, it's the same level of quality. The sound editing on this was some of the worst editing I've seen from a professional team ever. Genuinely some of the worst editing I've ever seen worse than any sci-fi original movie I've ever watched. Oh, my heart is breaking on air. I, I, I mean, the first scene of the girls outside the school. Yeah. They clearly had fucked audio because it was windy. Uh-huh. And so they had to redo the audio in a studio. But the lips, apparently, they didn't do the ADR right. And nope. so they're having to speed up and slow down one of the character's voices to match the voice. Yeah, so I, she I, sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks for like half a sentence. <laughs> and I, I think that you can still kind of hear their original audio under it because there's this weird echo going on. Uh-huh. That's just the Lovecraftian nature of the story. I, I was bored <laughs> watching wow. this. Really? It was it was really stupid. Oh man, I, I thought it was I, I charming. I knew what was going to happen from the moment we got past like the intro scene. Well, of course you do. I don't it's, it's pretty cut and dry what the movie's going to be. I I re- th- it's just a bad movie. I legitimately thought that this was a college student project and I was like and I was going to go in here 
and say that I was not going to say anything bad because this was clearly a student film project. I mean, but you're telling well... me that this was actually a genuine professional who made this movie is uh-huh. shocking to me. I'm genuinely shocked that a professional would let something like this out the door. Wow. Because this is trash. The editing is hacky. Well, I don't, it I don't is, think it's... It is the most hackneyed stupid fucking editing <laughs> i have seen on oh. a movie just cutting back and forth for genuinely no reason whatsoever well the reason is because the sound cool. design is insipid the the, oh, insipid. the way they real real vocabulary the, the yeah. way they integrate the uh the mind world when they turn the machine on yeah, is just ugly and stupid and doesn't really further anything like the only reason that i really understand what's going on is because i watched from beyond otherwise it's just an excuse to have the blonde girl go topless (laughs) i I mean the the central key romance is bullshit none of the characters are likable homegirl gets stabbed in the fucking liver and like no one really cares no they put her on like a bed you have the students racing in to be like, give me the defibrillator. Like that. Okay. Come on. How do you deny that is not an amazing scene? Because I could make this. Yeah, you could. I I could have made something full moon pictures. Now like this in school. It's did you, I, I have. Yeah. It just wasn't as long. That's the problem. Should have been longer. No, that means it's better because I didn't have to spend a fucking hour of my life watching such a disappointment. I think I think my desire to do an entire series on movies like this has just gotten stronger. I mean, like, if you really want to, I will. But, like, oh, I, you we, have I, to remember, this is my wheelhouse. I grew up watching sci-fi original movies. Yeah, I grew same. up watching Lava Lantula. I grew up watching the stupid shark tornadoes and, and Mega back. Croc versus Giant Squid. Like, this is what I know. And I can tell you that this might be the one of, if not the worst, low-budget B-movies I've ever seen. That is not in a so bad it's good way in a so wow good great way these guys really just suck and oh, like man oh i'm i'm, I'm, I'm sorry inside this is no charms <laughs> wow this is, this is one out of five star quality one out of five stars wait we're talking yeah, about from first, beyond because at no, first no, no. He's i talking, thought this was Ben's like talking oh. about miscatonic we got to get back from beyond because i thought i thought miscatonic you was literally a college film project and i was like you know good for these guys they tried really hard it's not good but who would really expect something from a group of 19 or 20 year olds to be good right great job that guys very like, well might have three been out of five made this movie charms. Be honest. but this is made by some dude in his fucking fifties. <laughs> I, I can't abide by that. Wow. It's probably the worst. It, it's one. It's either this or house at the end of the street as There's the single no, worst thing no, I've watched is, on this podcast. No way. Cause at the very is, least the house wow. at the end of the street no, no. created everything from scratch. And it had no, that one didn't. okay scene in the bookstore. They store. didn't scratch shit from scratch. They just filmed the campus they lived on. 
You so did these guys. This guy yeah, went to some fucking cool. kids' campus. This, what this, looks cool, Matt? The whole what movie. What looks cool? I genuinely liked this movie. Really? I I in all on I thought it was pretty like mid, but really? I I really really enjoyed it. I liked the performances. Um, I thought what the performances. Movie, did you like the guy who talks like yeah. this the whole movie? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I thought it fit. Or what about the fucking 12-year-old who gets his head chewed off? Dude, my favorite. What my a star-making fav- performance. See, I think I think where you grew up with sci-fi original movies, I grew up with, like, with children, children of the Corn 4. And this movie itch- scratches that itch. Like, I have a love for, like, true schlock. And, like... For me, this this falls outside of the outside of the house into the street. House in the street had no idea what it was doing. Now, does this, I have this... watched movies, Matt, with CGI animals. <coughs> me too. That they forget to put the CGI in for certain scenes because they're that sloppy. Yeah. And those movies entertain me more wow. than Miskatonic. See, that, that's what this movie gave me. This movie gave me that level of entertainment. Now, we we could we could beat the bush, but let's get back to something positive. Monty, fuck, tell, fuck tell, that movie. Tell us, fuck, tell us what you think pictures. about. We're gonna watch so many of their movies. Tell me what you think about 1986's From Beyond, because this is is it was this your first time watching From Beyond or your second? This is my first time watching. Okay. So yeah. you c- coming right after having now watched um, <laughs> Reanimator, we get the follow up. Walk me through your 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 official review of From Beyond. I didn't like it as much as I liked Reanimator, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. uh, going with what I just I told you guys earlier, I, I I've watched it through the lens of watching a a theater theater play. Um, with that in mind, I have to say I enjoyed it. It was twisted and just because, uh, you know, before we started the Stuart Gordon journey, I started listening on HP Lovecraft stories that Mm -hmm. you recommended and trying to get in, get myself into this. Um, I really, I liked it. It's very, it's a different type of sci-fi horror. Yep. It rem- uh, I love the special effects. Like obviously, back in the day, practical is best. Oh, yeah, and um, fantastic effects. Shockingly yeah, enough, there were some really um, cringy in a good way. Like yeah. gr- cringy in a like gross, uh, spectacular way. Yeah, uh, I liked where the heads are getting chewed up. Those mosquito orbs. Like well, the fact that he sucks out people's pineal glands through their eyeballs. Oh yeah, like. Well, eh. I I think Tamati, to your point, I think what what really makes From Beyond such an incredible production as a movie yeah. is the fact that about at, at about an hour in, when um you know they have gone back to the um back to the laboratory after the cold open for the first time, yeah. and you see Petorius in his full monster form. And you get the scene where um, Tillengast's pineal gland fully pops out. He he has the moment where he almost 
Um, he loses falls, himself. Yeah, he loses himself, yeah. and it takes Barbara Crampton's character using uh, taking advantage of um, Pretorius's distraction to destroy the machine. Right. And that's also- that to me. That hour. That hour point when that happens could be the end of the story. Right. Yeah. Like that's like closer to how a lot of like H.P. Lovecraft stories kind of end, where yeah. you get this. You like, destroy like, the machine, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and then like the main character goes crazy, and you cut to like an analytical review of them in the future with with uh you know uh Till and Gas going missing. Let's say that's how it would end. And I thought yeah. like when I got to that point, every time I watched him, like, oh man, the movie's over. You know, like yeah. they beat him, he's done. But then we have a a whole thirty minute third act. Where the yeah. movie thinks that it's gone fucking off the rails. You've seen Barbara Crampton and Kinkagir. You've you've watched her blow up a machine and fight up a thing. And then fucking Tillinghast's head starts eating people. <laughs> and he becomes this like fully, not necessarily directly controlled by Pretorius, but being controlled by like the etheric nature of the um, beyond. Yeah, you know, I think, and let's not forget, like, she also tried to rape him <laughs> a couple Well, of yeah, times. well, when she was under <laughs> under the control of the Resonator, all right? Yeah, the Resonator yeah. is a powerful thing. It's so powerful that it can make a good movie in 2022. Yeah, and, and to your, I remember when we were watching it, you mentioned this is a short film for a feature film. Yeah, this is right? quick. It and is, but it's the right length. It's, it it really, is the right length. Yeah, I was going to say. And I, I think we need more movies again well, so, okay. that have a 90-minute runtime. The performance run and, and all the characters were just perfect. I mean, except for Bubba, he, he like, I, I love... He's not there long enough. I like his character because he is the only one that's grounded. He's mm-hmm. not the one that would... He can resist it. Like, even that... He's that what scene, makes the movie work. Yeah. Because yeah. he's pretty much yeah. the guy where it's like, well, why don't they just do this? And, like, that's what he's there for. Yeah. And do he, that. He's the conscious mind in, in that. He's the that, everyman. Yeah. And, but unfortunately, the way he goes out was just, I, I was expecting him to and, be the hero to, to, to save them both. Well, this ain't Night of the Demons. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What a good movie. <laughs> or Night of the Living Dead. Uh, but, yeah, I have to say, Three out of four charms for okay. me. Uh, but as a holistic movie, I say six. Six point five out of ten. All right. So Ben, yeah. before we we know you gave Miskatonic you a zero out of five out of four charms. <laughs> it, it, I will say it made me appreciate uh, Beyond uh, even even more. So so it, with that in mind, then what what is your official final review of From Beyond? Three out of four charms, three and a half out of five stars. I thought it was a really good movie. Maybe three point seven five. Yeah. And you're saying, and you're, and you're both putting it below Reanimator. In yeah. Your yes. Estimate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say I'd probably want to watch this movie again first. Yes. This movie, but I think, s- but I think Reanimator is a better constructed movie. Mm. When, when I was when you're watching Reanimator, you don't really have time. To be like, oh, well, like, well, like that acting is kind of off or that scene was kind of, it's just throwing shit at you. It doesn't stop. And so you don't really have time to process. 
Here, I feel like the slower pace makes you more aware of things that don't really quite work with the movie. Okay. But the way that they interact uh, with the machine is really good, especially mm-hmm. compared to the fucking dumpster fire that yeah. would come out 30 years later. Hold it together. Um, and it really made me appreciate <laughs> it more. Um, it's a shame that the movie's legacy has been permanently tarnished. <laughs> okay. Wow. How did, no, nothing could tarnish Stuart Gordon's comp. Like saying, saying that. Oh that, yeah. Are that, you telling me game of Thrones hasn't been tarnished Matt by how it ended? I think the TV show has been, but not the original material. Just like with it's this movie. from the same dude. Yeah, but they changed what? it a little. No, bit. no. The last seasons of game of Thrones, similar to Miskatonic, you were made completely separate from the influence or input of the original creator. The show, part of the reason yeah, but, and but the story of the things one... that they went beyond it without his guidance. So it does it's... not, it does not at all tarnish the reputation nor, nor the, the amount of love that the original book still gets. I still engage with fantasy communities that still to this day hold that the creators of the TV show fucked up. But that Game of Thrones is still one of the greatest stories in fantasy history. I think Full I, Moon Pictures has put me in such a bad mood. It is like you just Ben, Ben, Ben. I know what you need to do. Can I give you some Full advice? Moon Pictures is a scam. Can it's I, like can, a blight upon can, artistry. Can I give you some no, advice? I, you know, no, Ben. Not I, really. I have, I'd I have, rather not. I have one, just one solid piece of advice for you right now. What? I want you to sit down. And I want you to watch the Blue Mini birthday message to you. You know, that's I, a good I, idea. I think I'll, that, I'll do that. I think I'll do that, that will center you because you need some centering right now. I, well, but you know what? I, Matt, I, I, Matt, think, I, think it's, guys, I think it's important. I have to step in here for a second. Matt, you're letting – you can't – you have to let Ben have his opinion. Oh, I don't know. I don't think he's wrong he that can't, the movie's awful. I just don't think it tarnishes – to me, sure, the problem fine, is saying that fine. It maybe, maybe maybe I'm being a little Stuart, hyperbolic, but the Stuart Gordon aspect of it is is the only thing I will not allow. I but... what what I think that a company like Full Moon Pictures is is a net negative for the artistry of filmmaking. Well, and you know what? You I, know what my I, response... I think it's it's gross. Do you want to know what my response to that is Ben? What you're gonna make me watch another one for you're next week? Goddamn right I am. <laughs> oh my god! Your, your next, your next uh, feature is the only movie in the Full Moon Features lineup that we haven't already seen and aren't oh, already fans of, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. the subspecies films. So Ben will be watching. Sub. Sub- I will also be watching it. Can subspecies. I just watch species? Nope, you gotta watch subspecies. Species <laughs> I don't want different... to watch subspecies. Too fucking bad. You agreed that I could give you a movie every week on this podcast. This is really what you're gonna do, Matt. Is is you really you've been begging me to watch these fucking movies you want. Now that you finally have one movie a week, you're gonna use it on subspecies. This week I am. Yeah, hundred percent. You could have had me watch fucking Aguirre or I don't fucking... Give, I don't give a fuck about you watching Aguirre. I want to make you watch Subspecies. It's like... it's Subspecies It was offensively was bad. And we're going to find out if a movie that they, they proclaim as one of their like feature highlights 
one of the movies that best represents them in a studio. We'll see how that does. And we'll see if it can it can get past your prejudice. Fuck full moon pictures. <laughs> your your anger is one of the best things. But I want to end that podcast on a positive note. And in that vein, I actually had a bit of like a, a revelation today thinking about the movie. I was thinking about From Beyond. We 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 don't need to get into Ben's trauma. Um when I when I was thinking about this movie, I was trying to think like what other movie, especially um, movies that feel theatrical in regards to like feel like a stage play, especially in a way that I feel is like not to the detriment of the movie. And the one movie that kept coming to my mind is a classic that I think a lot of us are fans of, and it's the movie The Birdcage. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I won't, I don't, I won't posit necessarily that reanimator or from beyond is as good as the birdcage. Cause the birdcage is one of the best comedies ever made, especially as like a the- very theatrical comedy. Cause it is like, just like reanimator made much more as a stage play, um, which is an important part of its production. And I, I just wanted to point to like kind of draw that connection because I think it's a really unique aspect of this movie. It feels very, to me, very similar and very in line with the movie. Like the very, Birdcage. It, it does make me wonder what other like non-musical movies you could point to that have a similar style and structure. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of them, yeah. but it's just not something you really think about in that sort of context. Yeah. And especially like a movie like from beyond, which I don't think would normally get the like, attention. uh, like the mist, what a, is is one as they, that's like you are you saying that feels like very almost like a stage play more than like a like a, in a way because yeah. it's it's pretty much all in one locale yeah well i mean i think a lot of one location movies kind of have that kind of like black box theater yeah. vibe but what i think sets both the birdcage aside and Stuart gordon and i think to me represents what's so incredible about Stuart gordon is that he is a actor's director he is a he's a theater director. He directs his movies, his cinematic features like theater productions, which I th- what that does is I think it it allows people like Jeffrey Combs, like Barbara Crampton to have these like transformative performances where they just get to act their souls out on screen. Um yeah. and I think that's to the to the to the to the positive of the movies that they're in. Like I think if you watch Reanimator with actors who are phoning it in in a B movie, it's one of the worst things you'll ever watch. Like, it, yeah, it, it really like, fucking is. And and we see <laughs> that you know laid out very clearly when, with in Ben's mind, Miskatonic You. But I and I think you said it, Ben, too, that this that that movie makes you appreciate the original from Beyond more. And I think it's because of the performances of actors like Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton. And um, the actor who plays uh, Tilling, uh, Pretorius, whose name just escaped my mind, because um, I was looking at the person who did the special effects, and Ted Sorrell, like 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 Ted Sorrell, Jeffrey Combs, and Barrett Crampton, it really shows that their performance and Stuart Gordon's directing is what made this movie so incredible. But I think this movie is when he's still firmly in his, like, I'm a theater director making movies. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and I think we see the next evolution of that in the biggest way by jumping forward quite a few years to the 2000s. And our next movie in the Stuart Gordon um, trilogy is his next follow-up to a H.P. Lovecraft story, and that is 2002's Dagon. Mm. Uh, Stuart Gordon's next direct attempt at HP, an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. Oh, 2001. I apologize. 2001's Dagon. Stuart Gordon's next direct adaptation of a piece of H.G. Lovecraft fiction. Before we take a step back into Castle Freak, we're going to talk about a movie that I think shows the filmmaker, Stuart Gordon. Not the... Time to go fishing, y'all. Ooh, and the... hey, Stuart Gordon, he did great the first time, great the second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going to go great the third time as well. He doesn't even need it to be... The fourth time's the charm. Good night and good morning. Easy dub, easy dub, easy dub. Blue meanie, blue meanie, blue meanie. Grab <laughs> <laughs> the underground. Talk to y'all later. Bye.